church and many different people prepared uh, for God to do great things. And so I, I thank you all for your hard work in reaching people and, and, and getting the house prepared. And, you know, many of you work behind the scenes. And so I, I, I honor you and I appreciate um, everything that you all do, the leadership of the church, uh, everybody, everybody. I just, uh, I'm thankful to be, you can give yourself a hand. My wife's giving you a hand right now. <laughs> Um, uh, you, you may be seated as well, but I just want to thank you for all that you ha- all have done. And I know there's many more uh, that are not here today that have poured themselves out and worked uh, diligently um, for the kingdom um, regarding um, our Pentecost Sunday service. And so what an amazing service, uh, the churches, the campus churches, uh, what, what an awesome harvest um, that we saw uh, we're excited about this, absolutely excited. I want to, um, to let you all know that it's vital that we stay connected to those people. And uh, one thing in terms of, or better yet, a key to church growth um, that, that we, we see often is, um, well, let me first say this, a key to no church growth <laughs> is a bad retention plan. And so a key to church growth, a vital key to church growth is when you receive the harvest, you learn how to use the harvest to reach the harvest. That in its sense right there is a revival. So let me just, I'm off, I guess I'm not preaching yet. Um, let me just give you some understanding. You probably get it already. When you bring somebody new and they get touched by God and they receive God's blessing and they get repent and they baptize, they get the Holy Ghost, there's nothing like use, using them um, in as soon as possible because they're so very well connected to the, the world around them. And so what we tend to do, a lot of churches and what a lot of people tend to do is you know, we work up to that day of June 5th, the Pentecost Sunday, and we leave, and we're just rejoicing. We're Monday morning. We're just like, wow, God has, God did some such amazing things. And, and what we do, what we tend to do quite often is on Tuesday, we're still thanking God for June 5th on, on Sunday. On, Mon- on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, we're, we're so excited, and we should be excited, but we're still looking back at what God has done. And then two weeks later and three months later, we're, we're still looking back, which and we're, we should be excited about it, but we're still looking back at June 5th um, when the reality is if we just work with those people, the harvest that is reached, the harvest that we can gain after June 5th can be much greater and much larger than it was on June 5th. What does that mean? That means we teach those people. We pour into those people. We stay connected to those people. We help grow those people, and we, we, we use them to reach the harvest around them. And that's how we get a major church growth by using the harvest to reach the harvest. I'm just babbling. <laughs> so let's stay connected to them. Let's, let's, let's do what we can to, to keep that connection. It is vital. It is vital. Um, um, we, in California, we connected with uh, a family, and they were from, they were Armenian. And uh, we reached a few of them, and uh, these people were gypsies. And they brought in a multitude, I kid you not, they brought in like 20-some people. And so that's, that's what I'm talking about. If you just remember, 
that the harvest is vital, use the harvest to reach the harvest. They were so on fire for God, they kept bringing their aunts and uncles, and, uh, and I think they all lived in the same house, but they just kept spreading the gospel. They got so touched by God that they just, they could not hold it in, and they told everybody uh, that they can think of in their apartment complexes and in, within their families. So just remember that. Remember, remember that. Uh, I'm going to speak to you today for just, um, well, for this evening. Um, on the prayers of Elijah, the prayers of Elijah, uh, I'm going to do my best. I made a PowerPoint, and, uh, which I'm not going to follow because I'm going to be too fast for my own PowerPoint. So thank you to Sister Holly and Sister Lana for helping me get the PowerPoint together. If you don't keep up, you can just stop right here, and, uh, and I'll just I'll do, it, I'll do what I'm doing here. Um, so typically, I, I don't preach with a PowerPoint. So I'm going to need you guys to preach with me today in Jesus' name. Like I said, I'm stuck. I have to call Sister Holly up here. All right, here we go. Um, so... The prayers of Elijah, um, I, think that, I think that it's um, absolutely vital to where we're at as a church right now um, in this revival and this harvest that God has given us. Um, in this dark world we live in, um, I, I've been asking God, what does he want me to bring to this, to this evening? And uh, he led me to these prayers. Um, if I may just give you some information um, I, I want to just set up a quick foundation on prayer, as general and quick as possible. So first of all, uh, prayer. Prayer, we all know what prayer is. I'll just give you some, some words here. Uh, communion with God. Prayer is connection with God. Prayer is that intimacy with God through relationship. Uh, prayer is also, it, it, we see also in the Bible uh, where the battles are fought. As a matter of fact, when we read the, about the whole armor of God, we, we see at the very end of that description of the whole armor, that praying always in the spirit. Prayer is vital to this Christian walk. And uh, we must understand just, just that. There are purposes of prayer. And in other words, why should we pray? First of all, first of all um, providence. There is a need. You want God to do something for you, to provide something for you. Uh, to change a circumstance or a situation, you want God to ask, and therefore you're asking God. Number two, direction. Direction. There is a question that you may have for God, uh, and you want God to give some clear direction and to make, uh, to, to make it known, to speak to you about that direction. And number three is relationship. Relationship is you loving God uh, to be because of his great love towards you. And the greatest in these three, and I can throw other things in, in between all that, but basically uh, the needs that we have as humanity fit within those three categories. Uh, but the greatest, the greatest is relationship because if you just focus on relationship, um, the other first two will be met. God will direct your life. God will provide your needs. You're going to be walking with God. God's going to know what you need at the same time that you need it. So the reason why I put those three in categories is because there is a world outside the church that does pray. They pray to God or the God that they, 
they, they, they know as much as they know. And so, and God hears prayers. Um, but they may not always have that relationship. The goal for people is to get to that place of relationship. Then everything else is taken care of. But for those folks, they pray for provision. They pray for direction. But the greatest is relationship. And also, prayer is intertwined or mixed up with, with God's identity. It's, it's who he is. In Psalms 65, uh, 2, it says, O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. See, it's God's identity to us. Uh, it's God's identity that is so wrapped up in the fact that he hears our prayers. He hears everybody's prayers. God's willingness to hear the prayers of humanity will someday bring humanity towards God. It'll be a way of humanity reaching towards God. Now, I'm talking about the prayers of Elijah, but I'm just setting you up just a little bit. Now, speaking of the man of God, the great man of God, I, I want to make this statement to you. Greatness in God comes to a person when his and her identity becomes intertwined with God's identity. All right? So in the book of James, in the book of James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Verse 17, James starts bringing up Elijah of the Old Testament. Elijah was a man with a nature like your, like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain. On the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. James provides an illustration of an effective powerful prayer being used in the life of Elijah, the prophet of old. As a matter of fact, it is this portion of James that he is so focused on prayer or prayers of faith for and towards the miraculous. James is writing, and he's dealing with different situations in the Christian life, in the church. And James begins to, he begins to speak about about healings, and he begins to share and give information about the prayer of faith or prayers of faith. And as he does just that, he leads us back, and he takes us to the lifestyle of a prophet named Elisha. And he speaks about Elisha. He speaks about his effectiveness, his fervency in prayer. Elijah is an example of what can happen when prayers are prayed effectively, fervently, and by righteous people. To pray an effective prayer is to pray a prayer that moves God into action. To pray a fervent prayer is to pray a prayer with passion and, and drive and zeal. To be righteous is to stand before God with a pure heart 
and, he, and with clean hands. In Psalms 24, 3 through 5, it reads, Who may ascend into the hills, the hills of the Lord? Who? Or who may stand in the holy place? Who? He who has a clean hands and a, and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. In verse 5, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. So let me just give you this statement. God is responsive to the prayers of righteous men and righteous women. I'll restate that. When God hears a righteous woman go into the prayer closet, when God hears a righteous man begin to, begin to proclaim things and speak things, God's ear gives that person attention. And I would go as far as to say special attention because we know that God is, is, is intertwined with prayer. We know that God hears all prayers. <laughs> but we know that there is a place that God gives to people who are righteous. Hmm. Elijah. The Bible says, and I love this part, was a man with a nature like mine. He was moody. He was straight up grumpy. And yours. <laughs> he was moody. He was grumpy. He had some happy days, oh, happy days. He had some sad days, oh, sad days. Elijah was just a man just like you and I. That's it. He had his ups, he had his downs, he had his weariness, he, had, he was full of energy, he had his doubt, he had his faith. He was just a simple man like you and I. Elijah was not a superman. He was not a superhuman. He did not have special powers that caused prayers to be heard. He was a man like you and I, somebody who, who is reaching for God, somebody who is not yet perfected but being perfected along the way he was just a simple man trying to do something for God and trying to live for God yet it is this man of God that prayed in effective fervent prayer from a righteous heart and a and 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 by doing just that watch this this man a typical guy that sought after God by his fervent and righteousness, he changed an entire nation. <laughs> he changed an entire nation. I'll explain it just right now. But if a simple guy in the Old Testament, not filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, can change the direction of an entire nation. My God, what can I do? What can you do? What can we do? How effective is my prayer when I'm in the Spirit? When I'm abiding in Him and He's abiding in me, how effective can my prayer be? I, I, I feel like God is trying to change a mindset, a, a, a paradigm shift today. God is trying to get somebody out of the box. God is trying to get somebody to pray bigger prayers and deeper prayers. God is trying to stir somebody up to, to speak something greater into existence in this day and in this hour. 
He prayed in effective, fervent, with righteousness in his heart, and he changed the direction of a nation. According to James, Elijah first prayed for there to be no rain. There was a drought for three and a half years. And it appears that the drought was, was not the result of God's doing. I, I want you to see this. It, it, was, it was not even God's word. When Elijah spoke the drought into existence, that was not even a word from God, but rather it was a result of his own word, of what he desired to see. So I want to stand here and tell you that it is possible to pray prayers that move the heart of God so much that he moves not because it's his will, but rather because he cannot ignore the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. That, that opens up some understanding. I, I want to take you slowly through this. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, And Elisha the Tishbite, the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, the king, The Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, watch this. This is, a, this is the prophet speaking. He's not saying God said, but he's saying there shall be no dew on the ground, no, no mist in the morning, and no rain shall arrive for three years except at my word. Not God's word, but he said except at my word. The prophet speaks something into existence. Watch this. The Bible tells us that then after that, the word of the Lord came. I want to point out to you that Elijah gave his word. Then God gave his word. See, typically we read that many times that God gives his word and the prophet of old will go give their word. But in this case, Elijah was such in a position of authority that he spoke and God followed up after him. Let me take you somewhere. See, Elijah speaks the word uh, that was not God's word. Elijah did not appear before King Ahab with, with a word from God, but he appeared before the king with a word from Elijah. We're talking about the prayers of Elijah. He was so furious, the prophet, at the spiritual condition of Israel, the idolatry, the pagan worship and the pagan practices that he decided that drought would come to the land. He decided. God never decided that. Now you and I know God wasn't happy with the pagan worship and practices and the idolatry. But the man of God stood there and said, enough is enough is enough. I've got to set my people in place and you know what? There will be a drought in the land. Watch this. His anger, in his anger, 
he declared a severe drought. He said no rain or no dew on the ground. See, the drought would have not ended until he, Elijah, had decided that it should end. Elijah said, except at my word. In other words, when he did, when when, when, the, when the word of the Lord came, Elijah decided that the drought was in order. Then he says, then the word of the Lord came. Before God spoke, Elijah spoke the drought into existence. Elijah was so in tune with the heart of God. He was so jealous over the things of God. That when he made this harsh decision. And decreed the harsh judgment. Watch this. God backed him up a hundred percent. Watch this. Elijah decided what should happen. Elijah prayed that it would happen. And God made sure that it did happen. When you're in the will of God. When you're walking with God. I'm telling somebody up in this place that you can pray prayers that you never prayed before and know that 100% God will have your back before your prayers touch the ground. Before your words touch the ground, God will catch them. He will catch them. Here's the point I'm trying to make to somebody. You don't always need a word from God to get results with God. The effective Fervent, righteous people of God accomplishes much. First Kings chapter 18. Verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now God speaks. In the third year, saying, Elijah, go present yourself to Ahab. Watch this. And I now will send rain on the earth. Let me explain that to you just a little bit. See, there's a powerful story in between all this. Many of you know it, maybe you don't know it, but it's the story on the mountaintop. <laughs> where Elijah is meeting with King Ahab, and they decide to meet on top of the mountain. And, and Elijah says, you bring your men, and I'll just be, I'll be my God. They decide whose God would be real, whose God would show up. He says, you bring all your prophets, you bring the prophets of Jezebel, and, and I'll just stand here and wait for you guys to, to make an altar and, and to bring a sacrifice and to... Pray to your God of Baal to bring the fire down and consume the sacrifice. I'll just wait here. And then when it's my turn, my God, I'll call upon my God and my God will show up. And that's exactly what took place. And the true God showed up and he defeated the gods of Baal. On the mountaintop. Just giving you a little story as we continue in 1 Kings chapter 18. Now when all the people saw that, the fire came down. The people, the prophets of Baal, their gods never showed up. Elijah many times said, your God's asleep, your God's in the restroom. Pray harder. And they did. But somewhere 
before the evening, Elijah said, now, now it's, it's my turn. Let me pour water on my, on my altar and my sacrifice and, and let me make things difficult in your eyes and, and watch my God show up. And God showed up and he burnt the sacrifice. When that happened, the Bible says, now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. Elijah brought them down to the brook, and he executed them. In verse 41, then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink. Watch this. For there is a sound of the abundance of rain. I love that. I love that part. That's faith. And Elijah, at that point, he had a clear word from God. Watch this. If he would appear to Ahab then God would send rain. So he appears to Ahab. It doesn't get much easier than that, right? The prophet just has to show up and prophesy of what God had already told them. See, when you got a word from God, all you simply got to do is stand and watch God work it out. See, God is a keeper of his word. The Bible says he's not a man that he shall lie. God never took back his word. God never went backwards from his promises. So Elijah, what an easy prophecy. To know that it was going to rain, to stand on a mountaintop and say, it's going to rain. I can hear the abundance of rain. I wish I was that prophet saying that. Everybody been happy. And he said there was a sound of the abundance of rain. In verse 42, the Bible says, so Ahab went to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of the mountain. Watch this. Then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. You may ask yourself, what was the prophet doing? The fire came down. The prophets of Baal were slain. Uh, the people of God were rejoicing. What was that all about? Why did Elijah go back up the mountaintop and, and decide to spend time in prayer? I'm going somewhere. Elijah understood that God relies on men and women to pray his word to come to pass. He relies on us. As a matter of fact, it is a privilege for us that God allows us to partner with him to see the mighty things of God come to pass. And that involves prayer. It involves prayer. If God said that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, watch this. Why do you and I spend time in prayer for revival and harvest? Why do we do that for? God said it. God spoke it. That in the future, there will be a, a thing called the latter rain. Why do you and I gather on some evenings? Why do we gather many times before church and after church and in the altar? And why do we, we, we pray, God, God, send a revival. God, send a harvest. God, why? God already spoke it. Why do we continue to pray it? It's because of this. 
when God gives us a word, when God gives us a promise, he expects us to take that word back to him and remind him of his promise. Watch this. All the way until the word begins to live. You ever pray for someone once? Nothing happens. You ever pray for someone twice? Nothing happens. You ever have to go back and say, God, it is your word that they be healed. And you go back the third time and you say, in Jesus' name, and nothing happens. God expects us to continue to push the word of God until it becomes alive. I said it before and I'll say it again. The word desires, the word craves to live. In verse 43. And said to his servants. Go up now and look towards the sea. Elijah speaks to his servant. You may be seated. <laughs> he looks at his servant. He says, go up now and look towards the sea, servant. So he went up and he looked and said, prophet, there's nothing. And seven times more, he said, go again. In verse 44, then it came to pass that on the seventh time. That the prophet, the, the, the servant of the prophet said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. I see a cloud. Go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Verse 45, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black and, and the clouds with clouds in the wind and there was a heavy rain. Not just a rain, but there was an abundance of not just a sound, but a reality of rain coming down from the heavens. I'm trying to stay on my PowerPoint. And I came up here thinking I was going to give a lesson in Jesus. But my God, I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to somebody. At first, the prayer was not being answered seven times. Elijah didn't give up on the first time. Elijah didn't give up the second time. Elijah didn't give up the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth time. But on the seventh time, God began to bring his word to pass. See, and it didn't just rain. Church, it rained heavily. So here's a key. Even though God gives us promises, and even though God gives us a word, even though God has shown you things that will happen in your life, that will happen in your family, that will happen in your marriage, that will happen with your kids, that will take place in your ministry, even though God gives us those things, God still expects us to take those things to prayer persistently, effectively with fervency until that prayer is answered. 
Today I'm talking about prayers of faith. Today I'm talking about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person. But what I feel to point out is this. 1 Samuel 3, 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. Watch this. And God let none of his words fall to the ground. Is it possible? I said all that to say this. Is it possible to enter into such a relationship with God? That's the best place to be. Is it possible to be in such a deep relationship with God like Elijah and like Samuel? That God would allow your words to fall to the ground or to go unfulfilled or to become void. I'm, I'm talking about prayers of faith. I'm talking about fervency with zeal and passion. But more than the great things that happen in prayers of faith, I'm really talking about relationship of a righteous person. You see, you've got to put yourself in that place of righteousness and everything will follow. You want to see the mighty hand of God in your life then maybe you've got to get yourself in the right place to see the things of God take place in your life. I'm really talking about relationship, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a woman accomplishes much. Why am I talking about relationship? Why am I talking about the prayers of Elijah? See, before the man of God ever prayed anything, the Bible shows us that his walk was a walk with God. I think about Enoch. The Bible says that God, that he walked with God and God took him. Uh, Enoch didn't see the bitterness of death. But God has such a intimacy with, with, with Enoch that God decided, I, I, I got to take him to heaven. I've just gotta, I just got to bring him on my side. There's something special when a man and a woman get to that place where they abide in him and he abides in them. There's a special place. There's a, a place of depth in relationship that God wants us to live and God wants us to be and God wants us to dwell and God wants us to move because it's in that place that God will allow us to speak. And when we speak, God will trust us that we speak his will. And when we speak his will, before he even speaks his will, God will catch our words before they fall to the ground. God is trying to take this church to a deeper place in him.
apologize to my passion today. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost speaking to this church today. We just came out of June 5th. Woo! And I truly believe, Brother Wellman, that God wants to make sure that as we continue to walk in the great things of God in this place, as we continue to, to have more revival and harvest and see the mighty hand of God at work, I truly believe that God just wants to make sure tonight that we are at the place that we need to be. I am done today. I'm finished. But what I want to do here in the next few moments is I want us all to stand up. If you're able to stand. And I want us all individually, individually to react to this message. And I want you to individually to place yourself where you need to be. Individually. It's an individual altar call today. And I feel that if we do just that, God will absolutely continue to do the mighty things that we have been seeing. Can we do that today? Do you want the invitation to come forward? You have the invitation to come forward. You can pray right where you're at. But this is the altar call for today. I want us to get our hearts right. I want us to get our hearts pure. I want